and Croatia, the 2005 and 2018 champions, will face either Russia or Germany in tomorrow's final. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to the week on three with me, Noreen Mayer. As we're counting down the days to Christmas, I hope you can join us to spread the Christmas joy and love and support our annual charity campaign, Operation Santa Claus. This year, we're supporting 18 worthy causes, from the elderly to ethnic minorities to children in need and also those with physical and intellectual disabilities. This year for Operation Santa Claus, we have a brand new website, so if you get a chance, you can visit oschk.org and check out all the activities and ways you can support Operation Santa Claus. Now on with this week's Week on 3. We have so much to highlight for you that it's impossible to fit all the great programs we have in just half an hour. So if there's something you like hearing, you can also head back to the Radio 3 archive and listen back to some of your favourite shows and interviews. This week we have musicians, health and even love scams. On Friday's Back Chat, hosts Janice Wong and Andrew Worked looked at love scams, which according to police figures, a total of 1,369 cases of online dating scams were recorded in Hong Kong in the first 10 months of this year, indicating an 80% jump when compared to the same period last year. For comment, they spoke to relationship and dating coach Valentina Tudos, who said the pandemic was like a paradise for those scammers because they have a reason to not be able to meet up in person and keep hiding behind their online personas. One of the hallmarks of uh, dating scams is unavailability, the inability of the scammer to um, be present with the person who, to their victim, so to speak. So they can claim that obviously they're in quarantine, they cannot travel, that they're stuck in a particular location. So they do everything that they are very well trained to <laughs> to uh, create this connection with the person, um, love bombing and all sorts of different uh, psychological techniques and tools to get this connection and intimacy, and then they never actually have to deliver. So the pandemic has offered a wonderful opportunity for love scams. Mm, you, you dropped, a, I think, maybe a technical term in the visitor. What is love bombing? Oh, love bombing is, um, is the practice of um, literally overwhelming the victim with uh, attention, with affection. So when someone uh, says, I love you in the first day or second day where they start talking about commitment, they start talking about um, a life together, considering that the vast majority of the victims tend to be quite emotionally uh, weak or um, vulnerable, let's say, due to, you know, divorce or different um, personal situations. When someone pays so much attention to a person who's never received attention, it's so overwhelming and it immediately uh, gets them hooked, so to speak. Mm. And, and what is it? What is kind of the the psychology at play there? Because you know, when men tend, tend to get taken by things, somebody has to show up. Do you know what I mean? It's, it seems like these these online and over the phone things seem to be predominantly women. Or is that a, is that a misperception that I've got? Or is that or do the statistics bear that out? And if if it is, like, what is it about the psychology that's at play there? Well, it really 
really is a matter of uh, finding the right victim. So uh, when people put on their online dating profile, for example, uh, words like um, new on this app, just divorced, been through a lot, it's almost like you're inviting these scammers to, to come and sort of pounce on you because obviously they're targeting people who are emotionally unstable or who are emotionally vulnerable because they've never received the love, they are, have gone through a lot of difficult situations. So the psychology is that um, these days, even though you're not present, the world is essentially a village, so you can have connections with people all over the world. But these things have actually gone on for much longer than, um, you know, the last uh, two years. Obviously, dating scams have been an issue for a very long time, and it's actually an industry. Um, it actually does happen to men and to women. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, a lot of uh, men, if you go on dating apps, uh, would say, I'm not interested in crypto, I'm not interested in investments, I'm not interested in buying you gifts, and this is just a sign that clearly these sort of situations occur quite often, so these men have had the experience of being asked to invest in businesses and so on. For female um, victims, they usually get asked uh, for contribution to a business investment to say, oh, I want to come and travel and see you, but I don't have the cash right now, even though the scammers pretend to be successful businessmen or investors and so on. I mean, of course, if you, it's very easy to see through these scams if you're so inclined, but the vast majority of victims are um, choosing to ignore all the red flags and uh, to just enjoy the attention and the so-called affection that they're receiving. Mm. Have you had any clients who have been victims of love scams before? Yes, several. Can you give some examples of, uh, of what, what happened? Um, well, a client, for example, who was uh, recently divorced, she has been through a quite a toxic, uh, difficult relationships before the divorce happened, um, did get uh, scammed for, I can't remember exactly the amount of money, but I think maybe at least 100,000 Hong Kong dollars. Um, and it was a while ago, I have to say, before the pandemic, this particular case that I'm referring to. Um, and yeah, it was someone pretending to want to come to Hong Kong and visit, but uh, for some reason being in some cash flow difficulties. And, you know, it's a very, very classic story. Um, as a result of that, she became hyper vigilant and um, created all these belief systems where every single person that she would meet would be um, suspicious, let's say. So even something as simple as a good morning message would trigger her hypervigilance because obviously when once she's been burned, it was very difficult for her to trust other people. Um, other clients, I mean, it, it's very, very similar story. It's actually, um, you can see if you're... Um, I mean, I've had personal experiences with scammers and almost the ones that are professional literally have a script. And if you try to disturb the script or say something that will kind of throw them off, they actually ignore that and they just continue with their script as if you never said anything. So that's quite funny, a funny way to test what's going on. And that was Valentina Tudos on Friday's Back Chat. From love scams to love songs, this week on The Common Room, Alison Howe catches up with J.C. Stewart, Northern Irish singer-songwriter, about touring during the pandemic. You are mid-tour, aren't you? 
Kind of, yeah. This is kind of like mid traveling, doing something. We were just we've been going around Europe, sort of playing the music, radio stations, and shows and different stuff. And I'm in Norway at the minute, and this is the last the last stop for a bit. Now I get to go home and have a day off. But yeah, <laughs> a one day off only. I think I've got four actually, which is the most I've had in a long time. So yeah, I'm very excited. Oh wow, good for you. <laughs> well, everybody says that you know hard work pays off, and I think it totally does. For you, congratulations on the EMA nomination! Thank you. Yeah, it's still the weirdest thing in the world. I don't really know. I'm like, ah, that's cool. I mean, yeah, I'm in a category with Olivia Rodrigo, so I'm not expecting to win, but just being nominated <laughs> is pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> if you do win, who would you like to receive the Moon Man from? Oh, if <laughs> if I won, um, that's a good question, actually. Who would I like to? Pretty much anybody, because it would just be hilarious. But I know Elton John. Elton John would be a good one to receive the Moon Man from. That'd be good. Awesome. Aim for the stars. I love it. Exactly. Why not? So now you mentioned that you've been in Europe. You're touring. How's the new shows been? It's been it's been good. I mean, it's been weird doing these shows in Europe because it's mostly just me on my own. So it's just a lot of acoustic stuff. But it's so good to be back. I'm playing the festivals and the big shows this summer with the band was just beyond anything I could have ever dreamed of. I like last time I played a festival called Latitude um, this summer. And three years ago, I played it. Uh, three years ago, I played to like 20 people in a cafe. Most of them were buying coffee at the same time. <laughs> like it was not, it was not the vibe. And then we came back this time, and there was 20,000 people in a field. And I was like, this is crazy. And it just everything has felt like just yeah, it's good to be back, sort of thing. I think everybody who came to buy a coffee while you were performing back then should just come with a free ticket and experience what they have been missing out on. <laughs> I mean, yeah. They weren't that impressed. They just were there to have a chilled coffee, and I was sitting screaming sad songs in the corner. But uh, yeah, it's all right. We worked on the end. <laughs> if only they knew that you were the professional sad boy. <laughs> if only. <laughs> Tell us about what else is happening in terms of you releasing new music. Are we expecting more from you? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of "Don't Say You Love Me" was like the start of a lot of new music. Now, so there's a lot of collaborations coming out. There's duets coming out. There's an EP coming out. There's yeah, just a crazy amount of songs over the next few months that I can't wait to get out. Is there any collabs that you can kind of spill the tea about? Mm, not yet, not yet. There's a, but I'm excited about them all, and hopefully there's a few more in the works as well that aren't confirmed. So yeah, a lot of who knows what's going to happen. These things, especially with collabs, until they're out, you never know if it's going to happen. So hopefully, yeah. Okay, I do know that there is one collab that it may not be an official collaboration per se, but I heard that you've been working with uh, Louis Capaldi for a bit. Yeah, I mean, we've been working together for five years. Like before, either of us were doing this professionally, really. So yeah, we've been uh, we've been writing a couple of songs on his new album. Whether they make the album, I don't know, but it's just been lovely to kind of be back working with him in the studio, writing really sad songs that he can sing way better than I can at this point. Uh, and it was just like it's been really fun. Yeah. Awesome. I can't wait to hear more music from you and also from Lewis. I mean, you guys have been such a dream team. I think it's awesome. You guys can just do this. Even the world, you know, is limiting us to get together. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's been it's been long, but it's good to be back. Yeah. Do we have any kind of idea of when Asia will be able to welcome you? I mean, it's whenever you guys will have me. I will be the first person on the flight at the border, being like, I've been waiting to you. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really can't wait. I've never been in my whole life, so it's it's time. It's it's about time. And that was Ali Howe speaking with JC Stewart on this week's Common Room. 
you can catch Common Room weekdays from 9 to 10 p.m. And now let's move on to Thursday's Morning Brew, where Phil Whelan spoke to the stretchiest guest, Chris Watts, about health and fitness. This week, Chris starts by talking about the ways we can injure ourselves if we're not paying close attention to good posture and form. People start to get heavy on their feet, heavy on their heels, mm. and they kind of hurt themselves just doing normal things. I mean, running is a normal activity. But having said that, uh, like all these sports, like tennis or golf, it's now become a power sport. So people are training differently. And perhaps we can talk a little bit about power how sport. we can improve running performance just by doing little things that perhaps um, we wouldn't have thought about doing because you think, oh, I'm just going to put on gym shoes and off, off we go. go and run. Yeah, see, last week you talked about fixing things. You talked about sort of damaged joints and this, that and the other. We hinted at preventative yes. um, approach. So I guess yeah. that's where you're going today. Yeah, and I mean, if you read, uh, you know, run, that, that fantastic running book uh, by Christopher McDoodle, Born to Run, he basically said the best runners are the most upright runners. And that's what huh. this Copper Canyon, this Mexican group, of runners that basically they run just for fun yeah. uh, over the mountains and they do like 60, 800 kilometers in a row, which is like the mackle hose, but they do it just for fun. What right? do they do, Chris? I know a lot of guys here, yeah. I'm sure you do too, who are really good at this endurance yeah. running. What do they do that's different Incredible. apart from really practice? If you could put it simply. Yes, I, I think that's true. And I, I think there's such a mental game, as I've said to you before in this. I mean, I think you take 1K at a time and you just try and get into the rhythm. But these guys have got little special tricks, right? So they increase the cadence, they decrease the cadence, they accelerate, they decelerate. They're going uphill, downhill differently, short stride lengths, long stride lengths. So I think in a way, everybody's got their own little funny way of, of managing yeah. those. Long. See me, I get bored. I like to go out and run on a fast track and just go round the uh, round and round as fast as I can. Yeah, and I, it's over and done with as far as I'm concerned. But these guys have got special mental abilities to go up mountains. It's just like mountaineers going up Everest. You know, it's one step at a time. I would have thought what you do, Chris, although you're much yeah. more focused yeah. in this area, I would have thought that what you do yeah. is more boring, just going round and round and round. Yeah, to keep you yeah, men it mentally is, but it's, it, but it's extremely... It, it is boring, of course, but if you're going to go running, why not go like a bat out of hell, if you can, and open <laughs> up the stride with. length... And in, yeah, get it over with, right? So in 10 minutes, I can do what somebody else is doing, just jogging around in half an hour. And I've got all the benefits of oxygen uptake, increased uh, elimination of toxic matter, yeah. and, and also muscle building. I mean, you ask a sprinter if they would ever run an 800 meter race, they would never do that because they said, I want to preserve my muscles. I don't want to preserve my quads. So long distance runners tend to be very thin and very sort of... Uh, uh, they have a certain body type, yeah. which is why you see the East, the Eastern Africans doing really well. The Ethiopians and Kenyans have got these long, thin, um, extended. These bodies. guys always win the marathons, don't they? They always win the marathons, and what an amazing thing to watch! I mean, they are absolutely upright. They're very consistent. They have huge extension at the hips, which is one of the big problems that I found is that if you spend a lot of time sitting during the day mm. and you have those tilts on the pelvis it actually stops those muscles that extend the hip from actually working. So you've lost speed, you've lost power, just by virtue of having a shortened group of muscles in the front here. So that this, this is where range of motion and alignment and symmetry and form 
form follows function, function follows form becomes very, very important. When I talk to you, it's often about preventative or otherwise therapy. But how, yeah. how about we put this into the realms of perhaps being a musician where you practice? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not therapy, yes. it's practice. Practice, exactly. And I think there are certain disciplines you would do. I mean, certainly we know how important diet is. We know, for example, that some of the runners now are eating foods high in nitric oxide, which has got which is like uh, arugula, which is uh, you know, a type of rocket salad, you oh, that's know, fabulous. and then beetroot. <laughs> yeah, it's fabulous. Beetroots, for example, they have a huge amount of nitric oxide in it. There's lots of kind of and, and people taking energy drinks with hydrogen uh, uh, in it, so hydrogen gas, that increases the uptake, if you like, of hydrogen, which is the, the lightest element in the, you know, in the planet, into the cell, and it burns quicker. So you're getting more efficiency. Join us on Facebook Live if you've got any questions for Chris. I'm just about to change the topic, by the way. Interesting. Um, Morning Brew is our yeah, page. Yeah, yeah. You know where he's going with this. You know what he does. But it anything you like basically asking put your chefs he used to be a chef chris and you've just mentioned two yeah, wonderful salad absolutely. foods you mentioned beets you mentioned arugula come on yes. fin finish the dish mate yes. what else yeah finish the dish yeah i, I mean uh, the, the things that are high in nitric oxide well all of the green all the green things like spinach for example very high in nitric oxide and if you you can actually take these now i actually have in my fridge here when i'm doing a workout yeah i take half an hour before i start my working out beet powder and it is known to increase the efficiency uh, and the uptake of oxygen at the cellular level, at the mitochondria, because inside your cell, there's powerhouses, four or 5,000 of them. Yeah. And it's there that the action takes place. It's there the explosiveness takes place. And it's there you get that vasodilation, thanks to the NO. So, yeah, I mean, there's lots of things. You can read it up on Google and just check the well, foods that are rich in nitric oxide. Beet, pow beet powder is boring. So yeah. let's go with real beets, arugula. What can we have dressing yeah. with this, or can we? Or and can I we would not? cottage. I would do a you cottage. cottage would you? No, I tell you what. To put the cottage cheese actually, because cottage cheese is very high in protein. It's low in salt. Uh, like for example, mozzarella cheese. Mozzarella as well is also low in salt. So you yeah. can have that's got high protein. It's got the calcium in it. Sounding good. I would put. I would do a vinaigrette, a very simple <laughs> vinaigrette, a little bit of mustard. Lemon juice or lime juice. I use a lot of lime juice because I'm Mexican uh, orientated. And then I would use some extra virgin olive oil, a little bit of green uh, uh, green onions, chop them up, nice. uh, salt and pepper, Chips. mix it up, very simple. And then in you go. Yeah, just mix it all up, very simple. But the freshness of the lemon juice, yeah. and it turns alkaline in the body, so very good for you as well. This, this does sound wonderful, Chris, and I've never thought of using cottage cheese yeah. in a salad. People talk about what we call squeaky cheese, they talk about feta, but not cottage cheese. Yes. That's kind of different. Well, yeah, it is. Cottage cheese is one of those things that people used to eat but don't eat much anymore because it's so expensive. If you go into fusion here, it's 60, 70 Hong Kong dollars. In England, it's a pound or two for a tub. So it's 20 HKD. Isn't it the Chuckaway stuff? Cheese. Little Miss Muffet eating yeah. her curds and whey. Isn't that what... Yeah, isn't that what curds and whey, that's right. <laughs> it, it, exactly. And, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's great because it works good on the microbiome in your stomach. And, and also you're getting a lot of uh, calcium from it. And yeah. you're also getting a lot of protein, high protein. And it's low in fat. We are talking about running, I promise. But I know Chris loves, Chris, Chris loves the, the odd chat about food. Now, you're talking about oxygenation, stuff like yeah. this. We made a salad. Yes. I'm sure it tastes wonderful. How would I feel if yeah. I ate a quantity of this and decided to do a bit of exercise? I mean, would I feel the difference? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, you want to have that an hour before you go running because you want to be running directly after having that particular salad that right. we've just been talking about. But let's say if you're just doing beets, 
beet uh, as a juice or beet as a powder or beet on its own. Yeah. That as known to give you a much longer lasting burst of energy um, uh, than uh, let's say 10 minutes longer than you would normally have before the lactic acid kicks in. So you can wow. go further, faster and have less de delayed onset muscle soreness in the muscle and therefore less inflammatory responses uh, because you've got so much more oxygenation. It's like you've got that much increase in the veins, veins and arteries, what arterial system, that's yeah. how the blood is able to get pushed through quicker. And it reduces the rate on the heart as well. So the heart doesn't have to beat this quite so hard. So it's a win-win all over. And that was Chris on Thursday's Morning Brew. On Friday's 123 show, I caught up with Victor Cheng, the executive director of the Hong Kong Education City, about their upcoming learning and teaching expo, which runs between the 8th to the 10th of December at the Hong Kong Convention and Exhibition Center. Victor starts by highlighting some of the topics they plan to cover at the expo and how the pandemic has changed the landscape of education globally. Now, for, for example, the uh, pandemic uh, impact to education is definitely one of the most concern uh, topic but uh, so we have actually have a special section about the uh, post pandemic era for education um, on the other hand um, we uh, there is a uh, like a global uh, uh, we have a section called global horizon on education that we have a collection of educators around the world to talk about what the um, impact or insights has been uh, given by this uh, pandemic. What are the um, findings and, uh, and some new thinkings in education, which I believe will be very important for all education practitioners um, uh, for, on the, uh, about this topic. There are also a uh, GPA uh, Greater Bay Area Innovative Education Forum that we have uh, people from Mingnan, Taiwan, uh, Macau, uh, Hong Kong, Greater Bay Areas uh, cities uh, to share about this uh, development in this region as well as to promote collaboration within uh, this region. So I think uh, that, that uh, some people talk about uh, may aware that uh, actually mainland China has. Uh, quite some white papers uh, covering like a future schools, uh, AI education and so on. So these are, are kind of uh, very good topics that uh, people can share. Yeah, and um, sort of defining yeah. the future of learning and, and, and schooling and education f for the world, yes. really. Yeah, yeah. We, we also have a, a school leadership conference. Uh, as you know, the, uh, according to many research, the success for education transformation have to depend on leaders. And uh, school leaders are actually very key. So we do have a, a group of experts sharing um, uh, what are the, the, the way to develop uh, school leaders and what are the uh, kind of strategy they should take to transform their schools. So yeah. these are all, I think, a, a very timely topic for our worried uh, principals and teachers. 
Yeah. Um, so you mentioned just now school leadership and, and, and developing yeah. school leaders is, is important. Mm. Um, one of the topics yeah. being covered, I see in the expo, is a growth mm. mindset and well-being. Yeah. Um, it's a topic that's very popular these days, especially yeah. in education. So um, yeah. how can we foster that in our students and, and children? And to be honest, even our educators, because when we were at school, we didn't really learn about growth mindset. We didn't even know what it was. <laughs> So it's not just for students, yeah. it's for teachers as it, well. Yeah, uh, partially true. Uh, for some pioneer teachers, actually, um, growth mindset is one of the elements to measure the success of an education system. This is uh, um, actually according to a recent uh, study in the OECD. Uh, Hong Kong is one of the cities uh, in the study. Uh, our our academic result is very good, but our growth mindset, on the other hand, actually fall quite behind many other countries. And um, why and, is that? Uh, we, yeah, yeah, and and uh, well, there is one um, obvious reasons that uh, Hong Kong is a very curriculum-based and very exam-oriented city compared with other places. So this this kind of uh, system, well, unavoidably will limit the people's mind about what to learn and what are the possibilities. Because the growth mindset actually uh, encourages people to grow beyond uh, what they used to think about what they can do. And um, and so these are a kind of new ideas in education, which we still need some efforts. But I believe the LT Expo, we have introduced growth mindset actually for a number of years now. And every time the topic is very welcomed. And uh, I believe because the if more teachers are aware of uh, this kind of concept, uh, they can bring into the classroom. Um, uh, more easily, and also we can develop a group of teachers in Hong Kong who can share what they do, and and so we can uh, gradually um, uplift the level of uh, adoption about mm. this kind of a new education concept. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the problem is the the exam culture in Hong Kong. How, how mm. can we change that, or or can you see that changing in in Hong Kong? People are schools are still sort of very much um, ad- adopted this uh, system or valuing exams to, to see how students stack up or how schools stack up against each other? Yeah, it's, it's a kind of uh, unfortunate that uh, in Eastern countries, <laughs> this is kind of like a common practice. But the, but the, but the technology, in, on one hand, is changing this because the traditional way of assessment is to teach you for like uh, six months and then test how, how much you have learned. This is very old school now because we all know that uh, technology can help to give feedback to students immediately. So actually, we have seen a lot of schools changing the assessment mode to what we call formative assessment, meaning progressive assessment and giving student feedback uh, at, a, at a very appropriate time so that the learning can improve right away, not to wait until the term exam, something like that. So technology itself actually helped the, this kind of transformation. I believe the so-called year-end exam or like DSE exam will still be there for some time. But in terms of uh, school uh, exam, internal assignments and so on, this kind of assessment will migrate quickly into some digital uh, way of doing it. And, And that would be much more efficient, much more powerful to help the students. 
And that was Victor Cheng, the executive director of the Hong Kong Education City, on Friday's One Two Three show. And now let me leave you with some good old-fashioned music entertainment with the one and only Steve James from Friday's Afternoon Drive. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and I'll be back again next week. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, let's glance back in time. Born this very day, 1928, American singer and TV host Andy Williams. He had the 1957 US and UK number one single "Butterfly." In 1963, a huge record for him also was "Can't Get Used to Losing You," plus over 25 other U.S. top 40 singles. He famously presented the long-running Andy Williams TV show from 62 to 71. Was that the one with the Osmonds in it every week? Brilliant! He's also sold more than 100 million records worldwide. Here's the very, I think, unusual sounding but quite brilliant "Can't Get Used to Losing You," Andy Williams. Guess there's no use in hanging round. Guess I'll get dressed and do the town. I'll find some crowded avenue, though it will be empty without you. Can't get used to losing you, no matter what I try to do. Gonna live my whole life through. Loving you. Call up some girl I used to know. After I heard her say hello, I couldn't think of anything to say. Since you're gone, it happens every day. Can't get used to losing you, no matter what I try to do. Kidding, only me. 'Cause no one else could take your place. Guess that I am.